Yes. Well, what my sister is trying to say is that we have this desperate need of rest and relaxation. <coughs> I'm coming apart, as you can see. Oh, brother. Oh, brother is right. Well, <coughs> do you like it? We love it. Really? God, when it comes alive, tell them, brother. Tell them what it's like in the summer. Well, they'd never believe it. It's beyond anything that you have ever seen in your life. There's centuries in this room, Mrs. Roth. There are years, years in this house. Oh, yes. And this house will be here long, long after you have departed, you believe me. It's practically immortal. I sincerely believe that. So do I. must seem funny to you. But when people love a house the way my brother and I love this one. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. It's just that, uh, well, I was waiting for the catch. Catch? Well, you mean it's $900 and then, and then it's all ours? No. Oh, there is one other thing. It's hardly a catch. No, it's not a catch. It's our mother. What about her? An 85-year-old woman who could pass for 60. Yes, now what she's trying to say is that our mother never, ever leaves the house. Well, she never leaves her room. Actually, isn't that so? Oh, she'd be no trouble at all. No, you probably never even see her. She sleeps most of the time. And when she's not sleeping, she's listening to her music or, or working on her collection. Yes, her pictures, her old photos and things. She has literally thousands of them. Memories of a lifetime. She is our darling. And all you'd have to do is prepare a tray three times a day and just leave it on the table uh, in her sitting room. Look, um, do you mind very much if, uh, if we go home? Think about it and let, 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 let you know. Thank you very much. Yeah. From the five to the six, we be in the mix with that rare candy paint job on the whip. I need food for the kids, money for the rent. Fuck a lockdown, baby, I can't do that shit. And I don't never vote, cause I'm fucking broke. And either way, I know the police ain't gonna leave me alone. On a plane by the visit, Glen Rock, me crypto told me I should bring the Glock with me. So I packed up my piece and I'm sliding. Cause we might get caught up in a riot. Middle finger Trump, middle finger Biden Fuck a left, fuck a right, is you riding? Do you love to see it? Dudes rocking Ain't no politics, baby, we just talking From the birds to the bricks, we be in the mix With that rare candy paint job on the whip, who you with? Welcome back to the Gain of Fiction Lab um, This is volume 20 The number the, fa- the uh, haters famously said that he'd never get to uh, <laughs> they said he would never get to 19 right so i decided let's get spooky on him on 19 we'll scare them away they'll stop talking they're persistent if they're not talented they're not good at what they do but they're <laughs> persistent and they're always around kind of like cockroaches so let's double up on the spookiness this is number 20 two two decades almost you know of uh, if you consider you know podcasting uh like a year um and uh got some help today and uh I was excited that that this particular person reached out to to help out with this because I really enjoyed his last appearance on Gain of Fiction 
uh, where I believe was volume nine. Uh, and it was for William Gibson's pattern recognition. I got Andrew Wittstadt, the host of the Heavy Board podcast and contributor to the Rare Candy Substack. Most recently, his Oppenheimer uh, uh, piece, which I completely agree with. And it was as, it was as though he was AI and took my thoughts and eloquently wrote them into a very nice long form piece how you doing andrew i'm great man it's fucking awesome always great to be on rare candy man love it i like that it's oh, all right number nine not number 20 it's like the 10 year anniversary it oh, is it's only been a couple months yeah it is <laughs> they, they said we'd never get to nine dude right. that's the thing like like so it's like here we are we're circling back um running up the score you know running up the score so um we first off let's talk about your podcast heavy board you were um not just starting it, but it's you. I feel like you you really pressed the gas pedal down since we last spoke on on heavy board. Uh, how's that been going? What have you been reading? What what's been going on? What's to come? Yeah, thanks, man. I mean, yeah, basically, heavy board book podcast, kind of like this. Uh, I, I, and one of the things I do love about you guys and like this particular uh, segment with gain of fiction is you're blending all these different things. Like you're not afraid to read literary shit. You're not afraid to throw in some horror stuff. You're not afraid to th really even like difficult classic books that are like, it's going to take a while to read shit like that. And I'm, I mean, I love it. I love throwing it all in there. And yeah, heavy board, we do something similar. Uh, I kind of tend to focus a little bit more on the writing side because it's like mm -hmm. writing and literature, but, uh, yeah, man, I love this. I love bringing back books. Everybody should be reading more books. Everybody should be reading along with Rare Candy. You should be reading along with Heavy Board. Every other podcast that does books and media, you should be reading along. If you haven't read it, <laughs> go find it. But yeah, we hit that gas, baby. I saw it. I saw it. I was like, I started to use social media more too, where I was mm -hmm. just like, all right, I got to start. I know Musk is th throttling links and shit on Twitter, but still it's, you just got to constantly repost shit <laughs> like repost it over and over yes. again no you're never as first off perhaps this is bad advice because some people might already fit this you're not as annoying as you think you are if you're promoting your product <laughs> you're annoying by having a take on everything that's when you're annoying like that no truly when people like right now it's getting to the point where it's like okay Glenn, what's your take on this? Read fiction. That's my take. What's right. your take on the, uh, the the Middle East right now? Read fiction. Like, truly, because it's <laughs> like, at the end of the day, what you can do is get your attention span back. What you can do is get your mind work. You could shake the cobwebs, almost as though it's like an old house that needs a new person to come in there. Uh, shit starts falling apart in it, but only to give a rebirth to a, to the old you. Because we all used to read. Everybody used to read. Um, this is for me. I mean, this is literally for right. me. I'm glad people listen. I, I really thought people were going to just jump ship, but that's it's been quite the opposite um and and again you come at it as a writer a lot of times um i come at it as, as strictly a reader i i do not i just i don't have the writing gene i just it doesn't i i would if i had done this in my 20s i would have wanted to oh i have to write now like you know i right. do that but there's a lot of writers there's a lot of writers a lot of good ones too um but i just i want people to read because to be honest for a lot there's a lot there i feel like there's more writers than like than adventurous readers right now oh um, there's yeah yeah because there's people i i've said this i i know and I, and I i can say it as a reader right i can say it as a reader i think writers it sounds salty but readers are not adventurous anymore like they <laughs> they want this book that we're going to talk about i think is on the goodreads it's a lot of people that wanted one things happening and I need to be told exactly what happened at the end and why it happened. I need to that right. it has to happen. I I'm like to me I'm like 
you know, I'm not quite at Ulysses yet, you know, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm I, I Finnegan's wake or anything like that. I'm not quite there yet, but I, Hey, two years from now, I probably will be. I just, I, I know for the fact I'm like, no, I'm like, there's a mutual, there's a little bit of like weird leftist mutual aid. I think that needs to happen with reading where it's like, just like with food, it's like, uh, okay. Yeah. You have every right to say, I want a burger and fries every single day. Uh, right. That doesn't usually end well. Right. So at the end of the time, you, you, you it's up to you to go find good books, go find them, you know, yeah. go, go challenge yourself. It's okay. You're it's like working out, man. Nobody regrets working out after they do it. Right. That's the way I look at I, it. I love that you compare it. You've done this a couple of times on, on this and your regular uh, rare candy broadcast where you just, where you compare it to health, you compare it, it to like mental health. And it is like, if you have not read a full book in quite some time, which I know is the majority of people out there, like you need to pick it up. You will feel it. You'll feel it start to fulfill you in certain ways. And you'll just start to feel, like you said, it kind of makes you smarter. Like, I mean, you're learning things. Yes. But it, you know, it's also a lot of times it's fiction. So you're not necessarily learning accurate stuff, but you're learning stuff about the human condition, about your own reactions to things. Like it mm -hmm. teaches you so much to just be in somebody else's head and be, even if you're just reading it for pleasure and stuff, like, like it's, yeah, I love the comparison. It's apt. It is completely accurate. <laughs> if you're not reading more books, like I'm probably not going to listen to you <laughs> going on a lot of shit. And and like read trash too. That's always what I say. Yeah. Read trash. I'd I, I'll straight up say this. I, people might disagree. I would rather somebody pick up a damn Trevor Noah book, read it, <laughs> than just never read. Like, cause uh, truly, like it's like to me, it's like the the, the weird like. 10 second attention span that we have i think there's nothing good can come from that even if you, i agree with you on everything i don't right. i don't see that you know manifesting into anything more than just screeching and shouting into a void like i don't i'm not recommending trevor noah we're not covering that on here <laughs> but I, i'm just saying like the worst book you can think of pick it up because it's just like like uh, i look some of these horror novels they're nice linear and fun like that you don't have to you know i know people on like twitter are gonna be like well i gotta read you know book x to to then say that i read book x because it's tough and it's all that stuff but that's usually what gets people to not read is they get discouraged by that pick i for me it was james elroy and michael crichton pick i picked them up and it and then it made me go revisit dostoevsky go go right. read melville like that, that it, give yourself drugs it's all related right? yeah, yeah like drugs you, you should your first drug you try shouldn't be fucking acid <laughs> you know what i mean like like you smoke a little weed you know like like that's, that's the way yeah. I, like like get yourself into it like and, and gateway and, and, drugs yeah <laughs> i'm giving lots of really good read trevor noah and uh use drugs yeah that's what so Start far smoking what pot while you're reading trevor noah's first <laughs> memoir and uh read about apartheid south africa or whatever so <laughs> watch the stand up do all of it yeah um so uh now i gotta ask you what is your experience with the horror genre, both film and novels? Yeah, um, I'm not super experienced, would never yeah. call myself an expert on it. But I mean, you know, I've always been a reader and movie lover. So yeah, love horror movies, love horror novels. I'm always a big stan of Stephen King. I think mm -hmm. we talked about this a yep. little bit. Uh, just I think that horror is one of those things that I'm actually really fascinated by in terms of... Uh, not so much like the academic stuffy stuff, but even so like why we seek it out, why we're mm -hmm. so entertained by it, you know, like that, that discomfort that you feel when you're watching a horror scene in a movie or you're reading something like a graphic description in a novel, like there's something that it, it tickles something in us. Maybe it's the safety of it being removed by it or something. Mm -hmm. You can still witness that and then be scared. But I was also thinking about, I was thinking about this recently because I knew this was coming up and you know, it's, 
it's October, so I've been watching more horror movies and reading more horror novels just because the spirit of the season, you know. But uh, I was thinking back to like when I was younger and like your first instances. My wife and I were talking about like haunted hay rides and mm-hmm. and uh, just like when you're a kid, you know, you're horrified of that. Like you're just absolutely terrified out of your mind. And like the kind of adults around you start to teach you how like you can be scared for fun, even like you know you don't have to be completely horrified. This isn't a situation where you know, your life's at stake, but you can still be titillated in that way. It gets something out of it where you get like entertainment from it or fun from it. Like, yeah. and I know it's not always the greatest feeling. Like I know people that don't touch horror are afraid of horror, you know, like can't even stomach sitting through like a mild horror movie, like PG 13, you know, mm-hmm. horror movie, or PG, which is the movie we're talking about today. Like I put it on last night. My wife was like, I don't know if I can watch a horror movie. I'm like, it's PG. It's like, it's PG. There's no ghosts. I promise. Wild PG rating, <laughs> by the way. Wild. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> Just in the seventies are insane. It's an ins- before the, the PG 13 not existing is it caused for some insane insane ratings happening in movies like it's just i don't know what you just couldn't say fuck i guess back then even then i I think you could get even because i remember back in the day like when when shrek came out and you know this is i'm a millennial so shrek was important to me but it's like when they said shit and hell and damn occasionally i think the rule is you could say like once or twice and it depended how it was used but that was like a pg cartoon and all of a sudden you're getting a shit dropped or a hell like it used to be so much even more lax than it is now like 20 years removed from like shrek coming out or some of these other pg mm-hmm. old disney movies that are pg just you know i've talked about this before on my podcast but like netflix and stuff if you notice the ratings now they rate it like at r or yeah. pg-13 for smoking for like alcohol use alcohol yeah. yeah like abuse or something like domestic uh not even like actual beatings but like you know verbal abuse or something like yeah they're giving the you an r rating. ipad taken away so watch <laughs> out guys yeah. yeah exactly yeah so there is like this kind of softening against things that were used to be considered entertainment like horror and and fucking around you know and it's weird because like you know it used to be the pg and pg-13 rating kind of seemed like something that the execs found as like a happy medium to get everybody in a movie theater but now i just feel like everything's rated r now and it's just for (laughs) gratuitous violence and cussing and that's it there's no sex i mean if there is sex it's just like a you know like a girl like going through the motions because she has to go to work in the morning and the guy really wants it so she rolls her eyes through it and it's kind traumatizing of, it's like last house yeah. on the left like horrific like 20 minute wait rape sequence yeah. or something like that isn't even that bad not even as bad as last house on the left it's just like right. any type of male sexuality <laughs> being expressed is now an r rating that's like exactly yeah. exactly and, it, and it's just it, there's this there's the the that it just seems to be like everything has this like perpetual R rating now. And it's viewed as this like, wow, audiences are so desensitized. And it's like, yeah, we are desensitized to violence. And I was talking, I was talking to um, my mom about this. You know, my mom's just like a Steinem era fen- uh, feminist uh, and, and stuff. But like, you know, she used to read a lot of like transgressive stuff. Like, I mean, that's how like, I think that's where I get it from. And, uh, but she's always been kind of a baby for like horror stuff. But I, I was, my wife reads a lot of contemporary fantasy. And she kind of thinks more of like us and stuff. And and but she reads a lot of contemporary fantasy and uh, and um, like Sarah J. Moss and like all stuff like that. But apparently, like, I don't know if in print books, but in like a lot of the audio books and stuff, they'll say like, you know, hey, trigger trigger warning. guys, <laughs> Like X is going to happen. It's mostly rape, though. It's mostly going to be the for the rape. Right. 
And I, I was telling my, my mom was like, well, what? Like, are you just supposed to sit there and take it? Like, kind of like rubbing, like saying, like, do you want? And I'm kind of like, yeah, I mean, you're kind of supposed to submit to the author. Like, I kind of like think you're supposed to let the author kind of have his way with you or her way with you. I mean, it's kind of what the medium suggests. I mean, you're sitting with this thing for a week, two weeks or whatever. Like, it's, right. you're like you are the reader. It's like you you don't sit there with a red Sharpie. That's not what your job is. Right. And But I also say, like, they don't do the trigger warning for like a guy getting his head blown off. <laughs> it's like, what if, what if I had a, a traumatic uh, in my lifetime? actually saw somebody die in a car accident where like their head would went off like it's like there's right. no warning for that so i'm like i'm like well it's like the book's not gonna rape you i don't think it is like I, right. hey i mean look technology's getting crazy so perhaps that, that's in the in maybe uh maybe jeff bezos at audible creating a new <laughs> uh kind of weird sexual weapon um there which and hey, you, whatever. you see it slip like you see it slip like the original stuff that happened with like the tipper gore shit when the censorship yeah. oh, regime yeah. was being rolled out it was initially parental advisory so letting parents know that if they have a young kid in the room and something's coming on tv or they want to buy this this record or whatever that has you know it was basically like i guess it was the prince album that made tipper gore do it but that was the time of hip-hop becoming like the mainstream music and there's a lot of violence mm -hmm. and cussing and sex yeah. references and stuff in it so you know you have a nine-year-old ten-year-old kid sometimes it's nice to have that warning now it's shifted to not just warning parents being like oh be careful if you have a little kid get him out of the room here because we're about to see a horrific war scene or whatever now it's about triggering everyone adults kids not even just for parents to like oh my kid's a little too young to experience this right now it's like everybody no you're you're too young to experience this at like 35 like no no, yeah. no if it triggers you like and you can't just take an l that's the thing like, right. like make a mistake like i dude though i get scared by the weirdest things like not so much anymore i think i'm pretty good but i get like i get more anxious like there's certain, what, like, what are your triggers for for oh this is fear. weird man so i remember when i was a kid like i could not you know you were you and i are around the same age i think yeah, and I'm 34 okay i'm turning 33 33 soon so around nice. the same age toy story nice. big huge movie when it comes oh, out right yes. the, spider... the reason i started calling myself andy was because right. toy story <laughs> the spider baby yeah mortified me as a kid like but it's weird because like i i got into like traditional horror was not that scary to me but it would be when i was not when i was least expecting a scary thing to happen or maybe anxiety and to be honest i was not scared of spiders as kids i don't understand what scared me um so it was it was weird that scared me and and i have and even with like pain in movies like it's always these weird like still the most painful scene in any movie to me, not any movie, but the one that sticks out to me the most is pain wise is Chinatown, right? Where uh, Roman Polanski himself takes the knife to Jake Giddy's nose and cuts the nostrils open. And it's just as my like just the fact that you'd have to live with that like perpetual like thing happening to your nostrils for that whole like while you're trying to investigate a case that like makes me so nervous and anxiety like just right. dreadful but i can watch like demonic possession stuff like it's nothing like i'm just like oh okay no. even though I, I i fully believe in it like i yeah. fully it's not even like a, a hmm, atheist like kind of looking at it i fully right. believe that all that stuff's real but on a screen it doesn't scare me that much like i don't know right. what gets you going for me, it's interesting. I've I've been thinking more about this too. Like like what, you know, because I've like uh, you made that point earlier about yeah the gore being really excessive in a lot of horror stuff. I'm not so much afraid of gore, but I do find it hard to look at. Like I, like when I'm watching something that's really gory, like like I don't know torture porn, like the hostels and the saw sure, era sure. and stuff like I, it doesn't stuff, scare yeah. me so much is it just i'm squeamish the whole time like 
I'm like cringing as I'm watching somebody slice, you know, like an arm off or slice through tendons or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, uh, like, I'm not scared, but it is incredibly hard to watch. Like, <clears throat> and I'm not even saying from like a moral, like, oh, it's appalling or I can't handle it. But like the genuine scare, like genuine, like I am scared. Like there's only a few things that really does that for me, you know, especially as an adult, you know, as a kid, you get scared of a lot of shit, mm -hmm. like, you know, especially the unknown. But as an adult, that kind of tapers off. And you hear people complain, especially in my side of the literary world of things where like a lot of agents, a lot of publishers be like, oh, give me something that actually scares me. You know, I'm tired of all this uh. constant like stuff. And I, I see what they're saying is that sometimes as you get older, it's harder to scare you with things sure what really gets me you know like the conjuring stuff like when james wan was in his heyday doing yeah you know saw and then insidious uh, and, the, and the conjuring first two conjurings sure sure yeah those terrified the shit out of me and what it really was like something i guess it depends how you set it up because like something as simple as a door closing on its own or opening on its own can scare the shit out of me if it's been set up in the movie or the book already so that you're kind of heightened and then all of a sudden something happens that's enough to scare me or like the conjuring did this really well where like the moving people just being pulled across the floor by yeah. nothing you know that scares the shit out of me like that's scarier than any monster i see on screen or any like gore porn <laughs> like kind of thing yeah for me it's just because i'm a control freak but maybe maybe but, i think but. you're right it's almost like a rhythm like and also your rhythm being disrupted like you watch right. a movie and if a jump scare happens but you were ready for the jump scare to happen it's not again i it's not really i don't know it just seems like kind of like uh like for like a formality like some bureaucratic like horror formality that happens but the just your writ like like i said like a door slamming like a random thing happening or like a face in a mirror like just something you're not ready right. for when you're just your rhythm uh being disrupted i think as adults we are just in more of a rhythm than we are as kids so it's it, it's just that writ like my dad's said the scariest movie you ever saw was the florida project because he was like how can you let kids do that like you know just like and he he was the one who showed me what we're gonna be the movie that we are gonna be talking about today but like he's one of those guys my dad loves horror and stuff so it's, it's been fun uh you know talking about this stuff uh with him but it, that's the stuff that scares him more than uh more than anything and like for me it's like even the stuff that scares me is like the the like Dostoevsky archetypes where they just dig themselves into a grave and you have to just watch it happen over hundreds of pages and you're just like oh my god dude or yeah. you know uh just just any of that any of that stuff mortifies me um but it, it's tough it's tough to scare I mean like that's why the 70s genre I, I think when you go on like Goodreads everybody's like everybody reads it and they're like it wasn't scary and yeah, like yeah. it's like I don't know man like I think when you look at it though the, there needs to be just that feeling of uneasiness the whole time and just that feverish dream quality to it which i think the 70s have have probably got better than anything any other decade since because when horror capital h horror started happening after that it was all slashers and right. and 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 stuff like that where that's just the way it goes that's the way industries get built you get the budget for that stuff to happen it's never just going to be this you know actual yeah. psychological horror and trends set in so like yeah you said there was more like kind of weird psychedelic horror in the 70s with people experimenting in the new hollywood heyday sure. and then in the 80s it kind of got to this yeah the kind of trend of the slasher films and you get the michael myers and the the jason Voorhees, the freddy kruegers that we all i mean and i love that shit too like, i'm not a huge fan yeah. mm -hmm. but like i love when art 
especially like a fictional character or something like that becomes bigger than life and everybody all over the world knows who you're talking about just by seeing an image you know like the the, the hockey mask or something the jason Voorhees. yeah but Moresco, well, you're serial, right. He does serial killers too. You at the time, you you have oh, like yeah. you have all those serial killers. You know, you have the um, you have the obviously the Manson, Tate LaBianca stuff in the late '60s, in the '70s. There's all tar- Son of Sam, all types of weird stuff happening. And then the '80s, you get slashers because that's what people are scared of. I mean, right. it truly was, and it was like it was sexual and weird and like and and slashers, and that that it is a modem of the you know it is like kind of a uh, I'm trying to think it is like a sign of the times. I guess it's like that is what scares. Me. Yeah. 73 the uh, film adaptation uh which we'll be also be talking about was just a, a little bit later after that um marasco interesting not a lot of books doesn't have yeah. a lot, doesn't have a lot of books. yes he, he wrote i don't know if anybody who looks up his wikipedia page will be like he wrote child's play it's not that child's play it's, right uh, completely different he was a playwright this book is written like a play um yeah. very the, and that's why the dialogue is excellent in it and um but it's uh it's i i came to this book because it's a very cult classic horror movie like and uh, to be honest it hasn't it still hasn't gotten the resurgence that i think it needs my dad's two favorite horror movies are this movie and then uh the changeling with george c scott which is a very good canadian horror movie as well kind of a similar vein and um so he had showed me this movie when i was in seventh grade i think and I was getting really into Stephen King, a lot of stuff like that. I've always been a 70s file, so he, uh, even at that age. And he showed it to me, and I loved it immediately. I mean, the grinning, the grinning uh, 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 chauffeur guy. I mean, like that stuff, it just sticks with you forever when you see that once. And uh, it was a little scary for me at the time. Um, uh, and I, I loved it. And then when I was get, getting this program together, and I was like, Oh shit! There's a burnt offerings book. I was like, cool. Right. Like I was like, let's read it because I, I just gave me an excuse to watch the movie again. So, um, you're uh, I, it, take us take us away, Andrew. Let's see how how did uh, yeah how did, uh, how did this book do for you? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, like you said, the playwright. I looked that up too, and I was like, huh. And he had quite successful playwriting career too. He got a Tony sure. Award. He was very popular play on play on Broadway that he wrote. <clears throat> and like uh, Glenn was already saying, this reads very smoothly very fast mm-hmm. read and it and it does kind of resemble a play in that way where you're you're there aren't a whole lot of sets these aren't about set pieces although the interior is important when they get to the house sure. but like it basically one set you know this house and then the the characters it's about the characters and particularly the kind of domestic relationships between them and it, it kind of i guess you could call it a slow burn in some way like it kind of slowly builds to the ending 
where like most of these you'll see ghosts or like strange happenings occur, occur, occur. And then it builds to some like ghost reveal or whatever. Whereas this, the ending is the reveal. Like it's, we go, 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 go. And then we get the reveal and it ends. Like, it's just like builds to this big pinnacle of the house kind of absorbing people. But the other thing I was saying about horror and you love this King, I have no doubt Stephen King uh, based yeah. the shining off of this. Like this was, I give no doubt he read this and then wrote the shining. Like it is, it is 100%. not a, not a copy. I don't want to say it's a copy because he was inspired by it, but it basically follows the exact chain of events. And like even the photographs and like the frames, the house being alive in some certain ways, like the, like the hotel and the shining, it just, Definitely was, and this was before The Shining. I want everybody to be clear. This was before 73. I think The Shining was what, like 77? I believe so. 77 and yeah. the movie was 80. Yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he, I mean, come on. Stephen King was definitely reading all the big horror novels that were coming out. He definitely read it and got inspired by it and, you know, took it to the next level. It's a different story, The Shining, than this. But I could see, like, I couldn't help but keep putting that in my head this family stranded in this strange, big, extravagant house, almost like, you know, old yeah. yeah and and i think it makes i think so so to just do a soft plot summary here the uh this is uh the rolf family that we're introduced to they're residents of queens new york um definitely just kind of in a small one bedroom they have a son uh they have a, a son named david uh and you're introduced already to who I think the book is largely centered around is uh, is Marion and she's perpetually cleaning the house. House has to look perfect. Even their shitty, even their shitty infrastructure, Flint, Michigan, water, gross, like uh, 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 Queen's apartment. She still runs that thing like the Navy. It's got to be perfect. It's uh, um, and, and you're kind of like, what the hell? I saw people on Goodreads go, this book could have never happened. There's like young Zoomer girls. This book would never happen because no woman likes housework that much. I saw a review <laughs> like that. I was like, I disagree, but uh, yeah. Yeah, this book definitely could have happened. Uh, <laughs> See, of, but, of course, it's the wife. I said this for rare, my take on it for the rare candy. Owner. I was like, yeah, of course, it's the wife who makes them go to this house. Like, sure. like, no, everybody else is like, I don't know. It's a little weird. Maybe we shouldn't do it. It's too good to be true. Of course, she's the one that gets the obsession.